I'm Lisa Collins, and welcome to today's broadcast of Real Christianity with attorney Mosley Collins. Have you been badly injured? Do you need wise legal counsel, but you don't know where to turn for help? You should call attorney Mosley Collins at 916-444-4444. Mosley Collins has over 26 years of experience as a lawyer dedicated to helping accident victims like you. He knows the struggle you are going through, and he knows how to fight and win your case. If you have been badly hurt, the last thing you need is another bill. That's why if we take your case, there's never a fee until we win. If you've been hurt and need help, call us at 916-444-4444 or visit our website at www.moseycollins.com. Just remember, that's all fours for legal help. And now, I'm proud to present your brother in Christ and my husband, Mosley Collins. Thank you, darling. I'm excited today because we're going to begin a series of key lessons we can learn from the life of people such as David, Abraham, Moses, and other heroes of the Bible. Keys to help us live a life of victory, a life of joy, and to have peace with God. But before we begin today, I just want to thank you for allowing me to come into your home, into your car, and share with you the things of the kingdom of God. Now, as I said, we're going to begin a series on how to live a victorious, joyful Christian life, how to live a life God can bless, how to live a Christian life that pleases the Father and pleases the Son and pleases the Holy Spirit. We're going to use keys from the lives of the great men and women of the Bible. And for our text, we're going to take passages from the Old Testament primarily. We're going to examine the lives of people who lived in victory, people in the Old Testament who walked in the love and blessing of God. We're going to study them and discover the truth, the secrets to pleasing God. You know, if a person is pleasing to God, in their everyday life. They will lack no good thing. And what more does a person want than that? The Old Testament is a wonderful source of teaching and inspiration. The Holy Scriptures uh, contained in what we call the Old Testament were the very scriptures upon which Jesus relied during his earthly ministry. In the Old Testament, we find keys to a victorious Christian life, examples of what to do to please God. And we also find examples of what not to do. Here's what Paul had to say about the Old Testament. It's contained in 1 Corinthians 10:11, And the Bible says, Now all these things, that is the things written in the Old Testament, happen to them for examples for us. And they are written for our admonition. In Romans 15:4, Paul explained the Old Testament this way. Whatever things were written aforetime, that is in the Old Testament, were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. So when we read about David or Abraham or Moses or any of the people in the Old Testament, when we read about their conduct, how they lived their lives, the decisions they made, the things they said, we should remember that God caused all this to be written down and recorded for 
examples for us, for admonitions for us, and for our learning. So today, let's take a look at Abraham and see what gold we can mine there to help us live our own life today. Let's see what we can learn from the life of Abraham. When we first hear of Abraham, it's in Genesis 11:27, And at that time in his life, he is called Abram, not Abraham. And here's what the Bible says, beginning at Genesis 11:27. This is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father, Terah, was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. But Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his grandson Lot, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while they were still in Haran. So what the Bible is telling us at this point in Abram's life, Terah, his father, is dead at the age of 205. And the Bible indicates that Terah did not know the true God. For in Joshua 24.2, we read the following. Joshua said to the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old times, even Terah, the father of Abram, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. Let me repeat that last part. And they served other gods. So it appears that Abram lived in a home that worshipped other gods. That's gods with a small g. And his father, the former leader of the family, Terah, has died. The responsibility of leading the family has now passed to Abram, and it, no doubt, weighed heavily on him. But then something wonderful and miraculous happened. God himself spoke to Abram. Now, the Bible teaches that God spoke to Adam, and he spoke to Cain, and he spoke to Noah. And after Noah, God didn't speak to anyone for many, many years. And then suddenly, God spoke to Abram. And here is what God said, beginning at Genesis 12:1. And the Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt, and all families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran, and he took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot and all his wealth his livestock, and all the people who had, he had taken from his household in Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. And when they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. And there he set up a camp beside the oak of Moreh. And at that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Now let me ask you this. Why did God speak to Abram after all those years of silence? 
Abram wasn't a ruler. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a king. He wasn't a great man of war. He wasn't even worshiping the right God in Haran. So why did God choose Abram to speak to? For this reason, God looked at Abram's heart and knew that if he spoke to him, Abram would believe him. And that's why God spoke to him. After God told him to depart, Abraham did depart. Now let's look again at parts of that scripture we just read of what God told Abraham and what he did. So beginning in verse 1, God said, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to a land I will show you. And skipping down to verse 4, So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed. And skipping to verse 6, Abram traveled throughout the land as far as Shechem. Now, I would like you to notice several things about this passage. First, God told Abram to leave his heathen surroundings. Now, it doesn't appear that Abram left his immediate family because first his father was dead and he took everyone else in his immediate family with him. What God was telling him was to get away from the people of Haran who worshiped other gods. Why? So he would not be contaminated by their practices. And that's what God calls us to do. God doesn't call us to leave our immediate family, but to separate ourselves from those who would pull us back into sin. Do you remember the first of the Ten Commandments? Here it is. You shall have no other gods before me. When God calls us to walk with him, he calls us away from sin and from the false worship of false gods. Today we would classify this as the sins of greed, covetousness, adultery, sex outside of marriage, cheating, drugs, witchcraft, homosexual sex, alcohol addiction, and the like. The key here is for us to recognize that our God is a holy God. And we, to have the privilege of walking with our holy God, we must abandon the life of sin that we once knew. We must depart from that. Just as Abram departed from Haran, where they worshiped other gods. Now, the second thing I'd like you to notice in this passage is that God did not reveal at that moment exactly where he would lead Abram. Here's what he said. Get out of the country to a land I will show you. Centuries later, the writer of the Hebrews commented on this. Let me read to you what he said. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. It was by faith that Abraham, Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land, God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations a city designed and built by God. Going because God said to go, or staying because God says to stay, those are all acts of faith, trusting God. So the second key we find here for a life pleasing to God is the necessity of faith, that is, believing God. 
God told Abram, Depart and go to another land, and I will show you later where to stop. Can you imagine how everyone must have wondered and asked, Abram, where are we going exactly? Can you imagine telling your wife or husband, God's, God told me we are leaving here, and once we get going, once we have departed, he will show us exactly where we're headed and where to stop. Can you imagine saying, get in the car, honey, get the kids, we're headed east, but I don't know exactly where. Now, that would be pretty difficult, pretty difficult to get people to go with you, and yet that's what Abraham did. Now, how was he able to leave Haran with all his family and head out, not knowing for sure where he was going? Could you do that? How was he able to do that? He was able to do it for only one reason. He believed God. He believed God. He believed God when God said, Depart, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you will be a blessing to the whole world. Abram judged he was better off knowing God than knowing the destination God was calling him to. And that is a mighty key, a great key to living a victorious Christian life, a life pleasing to God. Like Abraham, we don't know what the future holds. There may be troubles. In fact, Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. So we know there will be troubles. We know there will be unknown, unanticipated troubles. We don't know all our future destinations, but we can follow God and know God and trust God, just as Abram did. What a great key this is for you and me. We don't know the future, but we know who holds the future in his hands, and we trust him. Now, if we move forward in the life of Abram, we come to Genesis chapter 15, and now Abram has obeyed God. He left the ungodly city of Haran and has journeyed as God has told him and led him. And yet he has a fear that he won't have a son. So God visits him, beginning in Genesis 15.1. Let me turn to that. The Bible says, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram. For I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed God, and God counted it as righteousness. Let me read that end again. Abram believed God, and God counted it as righteousness. Now, while the whole Bible is the true inspired word of God, this verse, Genesis 15, 6, is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. It's the key to righteousness. It shows us the only way we can ever be righteous in God's eyes. Abram believed God, and God counted it as righteousness. 
Now that verse is repeated in Romans 4, 3 in the New Testament. And here's what it says. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. I would like you to notice that believing God is not actual righteousness. It's simply believing. Because, you see, you can still believe God and still mess up. Our problem is we are not capable of being 100% righteous in ourselves, in our own strength. Only Jesus was capable of that. I'm not. You're not. But our God is a holy God. He can only allow righteous, holy people to live with him for eternity. But we are not capable of righteousness in our own strength and by our own deeds. Don't you agree? Can you tell me that you will never covet, that you will never lie, that you will never fail? No, you can't. So God has decided to do this. He has decided to count belief in him as if it were righteousness. How kind of God. He counts belief as if it were righteousness. Jesus died on the cross. And if I believe God and receive Christ, I'm saved. Because God counts belief as if it were righteousness. Do you remember the parable that Jesus told about the man who thought he was righteous? It's found in Luke 18, beginning at verse 9. Let me read it to you. Then Jesus told a story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men, he said, went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a despised tax collector. And the Pharisee, or I should say the religious man, stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. For I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of all my income. Jesus went on to say, But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, said Jesus, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. In the sight of God, there are none righteous, no, not one, not me, not you. So God created a way by belief, by simply believing him. And that's what he says in the Bible, and that's why he says in the Bible, Abraham believed God, and it was counted as righteousness. Now, Abraham had the voice of God, and today we have the Bible, which is the word of God. I can't always be perfectly righteous in everything I do and say and think. It's too hard for me even though I am sincerely trying. But I can believe God. And that's the major key we learn from Abraham. The Bible reveals this to us, this great truth that Abraham believed God, believed his word, and God counted that, accepted that as righteousness. Many years ago, I knew people when I was young and poor who for a time received food stamps. And they would take these food stamps into a store to get food. Now, the people running the store counted the food stamps as if they were money. Food stamps aren't money. You can't use them anywhere else. You can't use them to buy a, 
a bus pass or a movie ticket or a pair of pants or a car. But if you take them to a food store, they will accept them in place of money. They will accept food stamps as money. And what the Bible teaches us is if you believe God, he will accept that as righteousness. It's not righteousness, but God in his kindness, in his mercy, in his love, accepts accepts our belief as righteousness. Now, why am I saying that if we believe God, we can continue to live a life of sin? Of course not. God isn't fooled. But those who believe God want to live a righteous life and want to leave the old life behind. We believe God. We adhere to him and cling to him, knowing that, like a kind and loving father, God counts our belief in him as righteousness. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'll give you my final thoughts. We hope you are enjoying today's message. The Bible encourages us to win people for Christ. Jesus said we should go and share the good news with the lost. But most of us don't go and win people for Christ because we don't know how. Mosley has recorded a message that tells you how to do this step by step. It shows you how to lead others to Christ with the sinner's prayer. This message will teach you the sinner's prayer and show you how to use it to win people for Christ. The sinner's prayer is a simple 19-word prayer that sows powerful spiritual concepts into the hearts of those who pray it with you. Concepts like the Lordship of Christ, the forgiveness of sin, and the receiving of Jesus as Savior. You can use this teaching with your family your friends, and the people you meet to lead them to salvation. To get a free copy of Mosley's teaching on the Sinner's Prayer, just call us at 916-444-4444. Now let's return to today's message. Thank you, darling. We've been talking about the kindness of God, the kindness of God who counts belief as if it were a righteousness. How wonderful. How marvelous, because we're all capable of believing God and attaining the righteousness that is by faith. Let me give you an example. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you believe that? Yes, you do. Then God counts that as righteousness. Jesus said in John 3:16, God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you believe that? Yes, you do. Then God counts that belief as righteousness. The Bible says in 1 John 5:11 that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son Jesus. Whoever has Jesus has eternal life, and whoever does not have Jesus does not have eternal life. Do you believe that God has given us eternal life through Jesus, his Son? You do? Then God counts that as righteousness. I love you, and I will see you here again next week. Thank you for joining us for today's message. 
A free copy of this message is available to you if you call us at 916-444-4444. Mosley is available to speak at your church or Bible study. There is never a charge for his ministry. He would love to share with your group. You can get more information and you can reach Mosley with your questions and requests by calling 916-444-4444. We'd love to hear from you, so be sure to call. I'm Lisa Collins, and thank you for joining us, and may God bless you.